the name of one God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. We are on week four of five about hearing about the bread of life. And if you've listened the past four weeks, you might wonder if we're just reading the same passage over and over again, trying to see if you are paying attention. But actually, we are not. This is a read down the Gospel of John chapter 6. In some weeks, there might be a bit of repetition. The end of the the previous week might be the start of the next week. But truly, each week progresses, taking us to a new level of our understanding Jesus being the bread of life. Three weeks ago, at the very start of John chapter 6, we had the familiar story, the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus attends to everyone's physical needs. Two weeks ago, Reverend Bob preached and talked about how Jesus tries to explain how this bread of life is different from manna that was given in the wilderness. And in fact, Jesus refers to this three different times, including today. And two weeks ago, it ended with Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And Jesus reframes the experience of those who have sought him out. The bread that he offers isn't just for those who are present Rather, it is sustenance. The sustenance that comes from him is for the whole world, for all of humanity who is hungry for what Jesus has to offer. Last week, we had Jesus telling everybody again and again and again, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread sent from God for you. And you can almost hear Jesus. You know when you hear parents and they repeat a direction to their child again and again, just hoping that they understand this is the way it is? That's Jesus pleading for people to figure this out. This bread. This bread is for everyone individually and collectively. Hunger is personal. We all have it. But the crowds, the crowds don't like what Jesus is saying, and they ask for even more explanation, which brings us to today. Today, Jesus gets down and dirty. Jesus gets real. One might even say Jesus gets visceral. Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide, abide in me, and I am them. I think if most of us were standing 
in the crowd, on a hillside, by the Lake of Galilee, we would be scratching our heads. At least, I know I would. Now, I'm sure there would be some people in that crowd who were smarter than I was and would understand what Jesus was saying, but I definitely would be hung up on those last words, saying, what does he mean about eating flesh and drinking blood? I am not going to be part of any cult. That's not okay. These are tricky words in our scripture, and to be honest, when I am in interfaith dialogue, when my Christian colleagues are in interfaith dialogue, this is often a part of scripture that my interfaith colleagues will come up and be like, yeah, um, so can you explain this to me? Because these words, especially when taken out of context, can seem a bit odd or maybe aggressive or maybe even a bit horrific if we don't know what we're talking about. Yet little did the crowds know at that moment when Jesus was speaking that one day Jesus would indeed give his life. He would give his very flesh for us. And what Jesus is teaching the crowds, what Jesus is actually teaching us, is that for this gift of life, we actually have to participate. God isn't passively providing food like he did with manna in the desert. God, through the very real, visceral flesh of Jesus is offering us something so much more, something richer, something more sustaining. God is offering us life. And one might question life without God. There are plenty of people who live this way, going around their way merrily on a Sunday with brunch and golf and whatever else one does on Sunday mornings. Yet what Jesus is offering through this living bread is to understand our connectedness, to understand our need to care for one another as Jesus did and is and will continue to care for each of us. Jesus' flesh abides in us. It is this very bread that brings us closer to God and closer to what God calls us to do. This bread is life-giving. An example fleshing out why we should care about this living bread was sent to the vestry this past week. It was a follow-up to our vestry retreat in February, and it was an article that talked about announcements in church. Now, we all know that back in the day, St. Cross loved a good announcement. You could see people lined up sometimes on the announcements until we put in the announcement rule much to many people's distress. <laughs> but 
Even now, when we have announcements, they happen to be short and brief. We'll see how I do today. But what the author was talking about is that announcements often go like this. We need two volunteers for the six o'clock shift on Laundry Love this week, and we need four volunteers for the eight o'clock time slot. Will you please come out and help us? We've all heard announcements like that, right? Many of us in here have given announcements like that, right? But what the author is pointing out is nowhere in the announcement, nowhere in there did anybody talk about why, as Christians, we should show up to any ministry. Why is showing up to Laundry Love or Altar Guild or Sunday School part of our Christian call? How does it fit into, dare I say, our discipleship? So I sent this article, passed this along to our vestry, and I was talking to David Charlton, who is junior warden and also the head of Laundry Love, about this article, and he lit up. He goes, you know, that author is right. This isn't about filling shifts. What Laundry Love is about is seeing many of those same people month after month it is hearing their story and telling our story. And while we do that, we get some laundry clean. It is about relationships forming and caring for one another. Not my caring for that person, but that person in return caring for me. And it goes to a much deeper level. In my own words, I would say that it is about showing up to laundry love because you are a disciple of Christ, not because you are a volunteer. Our why is about our actively living our faith. And another part of our faith is to come to this very communion table Reverend Bob and Reverend Stephen both reminded us of St. Augustine's welcome to the communion table. See who you are. Become what you see. The very abiding that Jesus talks about is in that invitation as we extend our hands and we partake in the very flesh of Jesus, when we come to the communion table, our very flesh becomes one with Christ. Just as Jesus said, we abide in one another. But what's more, perhaps maybe even more important, is that our very flesh becomes one with all who come to this table. It's why we don't do communion at home with just one person. Because the very act of eating this bread is meant to be done in community. It is meant to connect us in that moment and as we go out to do the work that we as Christians are called to do as disciples of Christ. Through this living bread, 
we become the ones who are to call others into relation, be in relationship. We are the ones who are to go and search out justice. We are the ones who are to give succor. And why? Because we can do nothing less when we are fed such a meal. We don't become disciples because it makes us feel good, but rather because our flesh, abiding in Christ, calls us into that relationship. St. Cross is a community which serves others as a sign of God's love. And each of us at St. Cross carry the very flesh and bones that Jesus came to be one with. Each of us as individuals are called as disciples to serve others, called to share this very bread of life. Why? Because it is the gift that has been given to us in Jesus. It is the gift that we have been given and can only be used when shared with others. Because after all, we are what we eat. Amen.